Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. is when they talked about the 25th Amendment, was it just casual chit-chat or just, you know, checking boxes off? That's all from the McCabe 60 Minutes interview, which we'll digest. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. The great one, Mark Levin, back tomorrow night. And I know we are all so excited. The great one will be making his triumphant return tomorrow night, Phil Levinites. I am Rich Zioli with you again another night. Thank you for allowing me to uh, hang with you for the next three hours. What was amazing, of course, is that as Andrew McCabe sitting there talking to Scott Pelley, they're just kind of, you know, casually throwing around the 25th Amendment. Just kind of throwing it around like, well, you know, we were thinking about it. This is the 25th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. And here's Andrew McCabe discussing how the Department of Justice and the FBI were just casually throwing this around, you know, just talking about it, checking boxes. And also, just talking about impeachment, there's nothing about the FBI or the Department of Justice that has anything to do with the 25th Amendment. Nothing. Getting gangsters? Yes. Bootleggers? There was a time. The mob or the mafia, if such a thing exists? Absolutely. All these things. Terrorists and uh, yada, yada, yada. But the one thing they are not supposed to do is deal in the 25th Amendment. There's nothing. Nothing that empowers him for that. John Dillinger, yes. 25th Amendment, no. That's your checkbox right there. And yet here they are discussing the 25th Amendment to the Constitution just casually. And there's Scott Pelley from CBS News. You know, he's, he's sitting there with Andrew McCabe, and Andrew McCabe's going on about how, well, you know, we're investigating the president, we're looking into him, and we're thinking about all the different ways we can try to remove him from office. And at no point... Does Scott Pelley ask what I think is the most obvious question, which needs to be asked, which is, why did Russia factor into Comey's firing? Why? How? Why? Why? Why would it? Let me explain what I mean. They basically, McCabe has a tell. Everybody has a tell in life, right? Andrew McCabe's tell is that there was no Russia collusion. So the best they had was this idea that they could, they could get the president on obstruction of justice for firing James Comey. But the question then becomes, why? At one point, McCabe says, he told me, uh, don't mention anything about Russia in the memo you send me. Don't leave out the Russia investigation. Leave it out. And then Scott Pelley points out the president goes on TV and talks about the Russia investigation. So obviously the president's not hiding the Russia investigation. He's out there publicly calling it a hoax and a witch hunt, etc. And yet McCabe's point is, well, listen, the president told me, uh, don't even bring up the Russia investigation. I don't want to talk about it. And then the president goes out there and publicly says, listen, Comey's going on with this Russia investigation, and it's, it's a waste of time and money and resources. And by the way, they wanted him gone, and I wanted him gone. But as you probe this deeper and deeper, you begin to understand a couple of different things. 
There was an outright effort to remove a sitting president in what could only be described as a coup, a failed coup, but a coup nonetheless, a coup d'etat, if you will. Now, maybe in the movies it has generals and guns, sure, and that's always fun to watch. I get it. But in real life, sometimes a coup happens with a bunch of lawyers, a bunch of lawyers sitting around the room, counting heads and discussing how they can possibly remove a president using methods on paper. Not by walking in and going, El Presidente, we are now in charge, but will the agriculture secretary vote yes on the 25th Amendment? The number tonight, of course, for you, 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show, the great one back tomorrow night. Yes, not with guns. Because, again, let's face it, in the movies, it's so cool, right? There's the president, El Presidente behind his desk. And all of a sudden, you hear a knock at the door, and then you hear a bunch of people rushing in, guns pointed. Mr. President, I place you under arrest, because usually the people have accents in these movies. And then the president goes, you know, he tries a last-minute effort, and maybe there's a shootout or something like that, and they take the president out. Or my favorite coup scene, Godfather Part Two, Of course, where they're at New Year's, and then you realize now that Castro's people have successfully taken over Cuba, and they got to get on a plane and leave the country. But in real life and in countries that aren't Cuba, this usually happens by a bunch of people working behind the scenes in what we now call the deep state, using resources that... My God, the founders never, ever, ever envisioned that they could have to remove a president of the United States for reasons we still have no idea why. Other than what we all know, they just don't like the guy. They don't like him, and they think, by the way, this guy is a bad dude. They can't back any of it up. Scott Pelley begins by discussing how Rod Rosenstein and uh, and Andrew McCabe, they're both Republicans, lifelong Republicans, They love their country. Let me ask you a question. If you love your country so much, why are you then working behind the scenes to do something that only Congress is empowered to do in the Constitution? That is to remove a president. Do you realize in the United States Constitution, there's there's only one entity charged with removing a president from office, and that is the United States Congress. That's it. Impeachment. 25th Amendment is not there for the FBI. 25th Amendment is there for the cabinet. 25th Amendment is there for the vice president. 25th Amendment is there for very, very, very rare and unusual circumstances, often related to the president's health or if the president's lost it or something like that. Otherwise, if it's a high crime and misdemeanor, that is reserved to Congress. So what McCabe is there talking about is essentially now high crimes and misdemeanors, but he can't name any. But he's floating the theoretical high crimes and misdemeanors. If they are high crimes and misdemeanors, very simply, that's left to Congress. If it's a matter of the president is talking to the portraits at night and they're talking back to him, maybe that's a 25th Amendment issue. I'm Really. Like if Andrew McCabe is sitting there and he's saying on TV to Scott Pelley, the fact is the president was literally talking to Scooby-Doo every night, walking the halls of the White House, talking to Scooby-Doo and, and talking to the portraits of presidents. And they were talking back and he was playing poker with them, like in that famous painting you've seen of all the presidents sitting around the table playing poker. But in this case, he was really playing poker. Now, maybe that is a 25th Amendment issue where the cabinet has to get together and say, all right, president's lost it. We got to deal with this fact. Unfortunately, his mind is gone. That's not what McCabe is saying. What McCabe is saying, he's alleging crimes, but he's giving no specifics. 
He's saying we had reason to believe, though we can't back that up. And then he's saying, so we investigated. He can't argue why the investigation was justified. They find nothing. But their remedy for this is the 25th Amendment, which is not what it's there for. So instead of Scott Pelley and others on the left turning around and saying, wait a second, wait a second now, if the FBI can remove a president they don't like, if the Department of Justice can use the 25th Amendment to get a president they don't like, what is the purpose of the impeachment clause? Why do we have it? Now, as you know, being a devoted Mark Levin listener, a fellow Levinite, as I am, you know, because Mark has taught you very well in the Constitution, that the impeachment clause is something that is supposed to be very rarely used, and it has been rarely used. We've only impeached two presidents. We have removed zero from office. Why? Because the whole idea is you deal with high abuse of office, high abuse of power, and it is not something to be taken lightly. And it is not something to be taken willy-nilly like, well, yeah, we were just kind of talking about it and thought, hey, let's try impeachment. But as you hear from some of this audio, that's the way McCabe talks about the 25th Amendment. Now, I kid you not here. Now, let's play a little bit of this for you, shall we? Why don't we do this? Uh, first of all, McCabe is discussing with Scott Pelley now how they began thinking about support for the 25th Amendment, how he and Rod Rosenstein began talking about it. McCabe won. The discussion of the 25th Amendment was was simply Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point. So um, it was really something that he kind of threw out in a, in a very frenzied, um, chaotic conversation about where we were and what we needed to do next. Right. It was, he had a lot going on. It was very frenzied. He was running late that day. He skipped breakfast. There was no coffee. Very, very frenzied. You have to understand. He was stressed. Credit card bills were, I mean, piling up. The kids, there is nothing about the FBI and the DOJ that's supposed to be about the 25th Amendment. I mean, nothing. This is not their purview. Nothing. Criminals, bad guys, yes. Like I said, John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, yes. Al Capone, yes. 25th Amendment, no. And here's McCabe talking as if this is what the FBI is there to do. As if the FBI was created to also work on removing a sitting president from office. No, it's not. It's not why it's there. It's not why the Department of Justice is there. The Department of Justice is there to help the president do his job. It's part of the executive branch of government. So as the president takes care to see that the law is faithfully executed, the Department of Justice helps him do that. The FBI helps him do that by going after bad guys, criminals, you know, guys with Tommy guns and whatnot. There's nothing about the FBI or the DOJ that says, oh, and also 25th Amendment. Also, sit around and have casual conversations about the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. You know, just chat about it. And then uh, casually discuss which members of the cabinet might want to vote to remove a president of the United States of America. Again, if they have evidence of a crime of some sort, you bring that, I would assume, to Congress because the Constitution says Congress then shall deal with high crimes, bribery, misdemeanors, right? Not the FBI. Not the Department of Justice, not the cabinet, 
not the vice president, but the Congress. So if you actually were following the Constitution, have the DOJ and the FBI found evidence of this, they would do what? They would then bring it to Congress. They would write a report, send it to Congress, let them know, here's what we found. In accordance with whatever statute that's applicable, now you do your job. It's not our job. The cons- we didn't, it's not our job to investigate the president. That's your job. Here's what we found. You do your thing. Now, you charge him in the House if you want by the process of impeaching a president, which case then a simple majority votes to impeach. Then you have a trial in the Senate. But we're not here at the FBI to do that. That's not why we're here. And the 25th Amendment exists not because they found out the president might be a crook. It's because they found out the president might not be playing with a full deck. He's got a couple too many marbles or he's short some marbles, depending on how you use the expression. And yet here you have Andrew McCabe openly discussing the fact that they talked about the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. And casually, he and Rod Rosenstein. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like one of those things. There was traffic. You got to understand when your blood sugar is low, you're hangry. Next thing you know, you're talking about the 25th Amendment. Happens all the time. This is an abuse of power of the highest level. These are guys who are literally now trying to do a coup against the president. A coup against a duly elected president of the United States, not with guns, but with papers, not with guns, but with papers. They are trying to now remove a president they don't like for reasons that are still unclear other than we know they don't like him. And they're trying to do it through the way of a of an amendment to the Constitution that was never put in there to deal with a president who's broken the law. They're doing all this, and there's Scott Pelley in the media cheering them on. And that is the problem that you see right now. As you address all of this going forward, Andrew McCabe, Rod Rosenstein, and the others have orchestrated a failed coup against a sitting president of the United States of America. There's no other way to put it. They tried and they failed. They tried a coup and they failed at the coup. And the only reason why they failed at the coup, as you're going to find out throughout the Mark Levin program tonight, is they didn't have the votes. They tried, but they didn't have the votes. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show, the great one, back tomorrow night. Rich Zioli in for Mark, coming right back. Mark Levin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. 
Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Deciding, do we go after a serial killer or the 25th Amendment to the Constitution? Remember, serial killer, yes, that's your charge. 25th Amendment, not your charge. Okay? That's a very simple way to understand it. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. The great one back with you tomorrow night. Rich Zioli in for Mark. Thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate it very, very much. 877-381-3811 is the number. 877-381-3811. I joke about it only in the sense that it keeps me from losing my mind. But you have to realize now, as Mark pointed out to you in March of 2017, there was a coup attempt against a sitting president. What is a police state? A police state is when the government's law enforcement division. Now, I mean, look, because governments have lots of departments, right? Tonight is garbage night in my town. So tonight, take the garbage out. I have a police department in my town. There's a library in my town. There's all kinds of different. There's a zoning department, a construction department. On the federal level, there's not much difference, right? You've got your various different departments. You have law enforcement on the federal level. If the local town cops in your town ran around ripping down campaign posters, I would tell you your town is engaging in police state tactics. The cops in your town are not there to engage in deciding who becomes the next mayor. Cops are there to make sure that nobody, you know, speeds through town, nobody steals things. You know the deal of what local police are supposed to do to protect and serve. If they go around intimidating candidates, if they spy on candidates, like say, for example, there's a small town. Cops like the mayor. They don't want the guy running against the mayor to win. So they intimidate the hell out of the guy. What would you call that? You'd call that a police state. And rightfully so. And the people that engaged in that would probably be hopefully arrested by the FBI because their job is to go after corruption, public corruption. So if the federal government's law enforcement department engages in that kind of stuff, not by ripping down campaign signs, but by spying on a presidential election, by infiltrating a campaign under the guise of the FISA court. And then when they're in the campaign, deciding to now use this phony dossier to get warrants to further spy on people. And then after the election to use tactics relating to try to then stop the guy who won from becoming president. And then when that guy is president, you try to remove him from office. I would tell you, you have a police state. The only difference between the local government and the federal government is the size of the departments. But let's face it, the federal department of law enforcement Engaging in politics is the exact definition, the textbook definition of what a police state is. And our government 100 percent engaged in police state tactics with a failed coup against the president. And we will discuss it more. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. Rich for the great one coming right back. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined. 
and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. And we're going to break this down for you because that's what you expect from the Mark Levin Show. My fellow Levinites, Mark is off tonight. The great one back tomorrow night. Rich Zioli with you. So there's Andrew McCabe. He's talking to Scott Pelley about he and Rod Rosenstein and how they're plotting against the president of the United States of America. And you should be very concerned about this. Actually, what I can't really put my head around is why more people, regardless of their politics, are not afraid of this, of just occurring, just this conversation. The FBI, the DOJ, just talking about, you know, removing a president. This should concern everybody. But, of course, we live in a polarized time. There's no civil libertarians left except for maybe Alan Dershowitz, and that's really it. So people just don't care. They're rooting for Trump to be removed, and so they're actually hoping these guys succeeded But here's Andrew McCabe. Now, they don't remember who brought it up. This is just now the 25th Amendment, removing a president of the United States, a duly elected president of the United States. And here's the FBI and the DOJ, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Department of Justice. This is not their job, not their responsibility, not their purview. They have no authority in the matter. But listen to how casually they just discuss this. How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you? Honestly, I don't remember. He it was just another kind of topic that he jumped to in the midst of a, a, a of a wide ranging conversation. Seriously, I mean, just yeah. another topic. Yeah. You know, we were discussing the plot of Homeland season three and then all of a sudden the 25th Amendment came up. I mean, I was talking about Game of Thrones and I was thinking about the new trailer that's out. He was talking about the Avengers Endgame. Well, next thing you know. 25th Amendment comes up. Just another topic. I don't believe for a second here these guys were just discussing this like another topic because this is not something the FBI or the DOJ should ever deal in, ever. They might sit around and say, hey, have you guys thought about maybe going after that, I don't know, that nightclub that might be engaged in sex trafficking? Or have you guys heard about that whole thing about uh, the guy who brought a hooker over state lines and, you know, is now using that for bank fraud or something? Because those are all the things the FBI is supposed to deal with. 
So I do believe they might be sitting around the lunch counter talking about that stuff in the break room, water cooler. Yeah, you know, a, a major drug bust. Hey, are we going to get a warrant to go after El Chapo's brother now? But the idea of sitting around and then whether just the 25th Amendment comes up, just another thing, just another thing they throw out there is pure BS. This is a deliberate effort as they're sitting around trying to figure out, we got to get rid of this president. We've tried so many different ways. Peter Strzok tried. Lisa Page tried. We tried with the FISA warrants. James Comey tried. Now here we are. Comey's gone. He's the president. What are we going to do? The Republicans like him. He's very popular with his base. The Republicans are in charge of the House. They're not going to impeach him. What do we have left? Well, the 25th Amendment, that's what we have left. You don't just throw that out as another topic. You don't just randomly throw that out there. You're talking about the most extreme amendment in the Constitution besides impeachment when it deals with the presidency. And unlike uh, impeachment, this one is not supposed to deal with presidents who commit crimes. And they just casually throw it out there. And you're supposed to believe that they just, you know, yeah, a bunch of things checking off the boxes. Oh, 25th Amendment. Yep. Yeah. 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 Just another kind of topic. Yeah. Just another topic. That's it. I mean, we talked about fly fishing because I'm a huge fly fisher. Rod Rosenstein, huge fly fisher. Go figure. And then, uh, yeah, 25th Amendment came up. I mean, you know, also we talked about snacks at tailgates. I'm more of a hot sausage guy. Him, not so much. Likes wings. Go figure. And then, of course, they also discuss now this other idea of uh, of counting votes. You know, I, I have this image in my mind here of these guys with a giant whiteboard. You know, like a giant whiteboard sitting there with a magic marker as as they're as they're going through the cat. Maybe they have the faces of each cabinet member on there. You know, there's uh, there's Sonny Perdue, the agriculture secretary, a big old smiley face. Maybe it's a magnet like on a board You move it around. Maybe that's what, what it really is. It's like a magnet. Each cabinet member, there's Rick Perry's face, magnetized, of course, and just a, just a face. And you move it around, yes, no, yes, no. Moving around the cabinet members' faces on the board as they count votes. Did you counsel him on that? I didn't. I mean, he was discussing um, other cabinet members and whether or not people would support such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was... Um, was really concerning, was concerning, Rod, at that time. Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Counting votes or possible votes. Counting votes. Now, if they weren't actually talking to members of the cabinet, then all they could do was sit around and go, hey, so what do you think about uh, so-and-so? I don't know. I think he'd probably be with us. Would he be with us? Uh, maybe he'd be with us. Maybe you know. I don't know. I don't know. Hard to say. Maybe he's with us. Maybe he's not with us. Counting votes as they move their heads around the board. Members of the president's cabinet. There is nothing. There is nothing in the FBI's charter. There's nothing in the Department of Justice mandate. There is nothing that enables them to do any of this. And here you have these guys just willy-nilly throwing this stuff out there. This should concern every single American. How are you not worried about this? How are you not frustrated by this? How are you not scared to death about this? That our government has gotten so brazen, these bureaucrats have gotten so brazen 
They just sit around and casually discuss which members of the cabinet might vote to invoke the 25th Amendment when they have nothing to do with it. They just do it anyway. And they know there's going to be no repercussions. And they're not worried. Because we have given them so much power over us and so much control that they've now taken that power and control even over the president of the United States of America. All those years of us letting them spy on us and frisk us and do everything else, surrendering our liberty a little by little, little by little, keep us safe, keep us safe, keep us safe. FISA court, secret FISA court, keep us safe, keep us safe. Spy on us, listen to our phone calls, emails, keep us safe, keep us safe. They abuse all that power. And they get so brazen about it. Now they say, well, we get to decide who's president. We get to decide. We're the FBI. We're the DOJ. We get to decide who stays in the White House. So let's count some heads, shall we? And they're just throwing this all out there. And that, to me, is, the, is really, honestly, the, the scariest part of all of this. He's not even acting as if, and Scott, my God, to, to even have these kind of conversations where we realize now, what are we discussing Do you realize that's not what they're saying? He's not sitting there telling Scott Pelley, Scott, as you can imagine, for us to be at a place where we're talking about the 25th Amendment was just, this is, this is earth shattering. This is the world stopping on its axis. Nah, just casually. I don't know. I don't know. We were just talking about a bunch of things and it came up. Ah. Just another kind of topic. Yeah. Dry cleaning. Who's getting the dry cleaning today? Oh, and also Linda's birthday is tomorrow. Am I getting the cake? Are you getting the cake? And then is she gluten-free? Is she gluten-free again? She's always on these crazy diets. They're vegan. She doing paleo. That, just at, oh, and 25th Amendment. Yeah, by the way, can we get to hang on a second with the cake? Let's talk about 25th Amendment. That's scary. That is scary to me that they were just so brazen about it. So casual about it. No big thing. 877-381-3811 on the Mark Levin Show the great one back with you tomorrow night alright let's start with uh, Mike in Appleton Wisconsin Mike how are you sir hi how are you go ahead Good. thanks for taking my call I'll just make a brief point and then get off um, back in Watergate Nixon was trying to spy on the Democrats so they did the burglary and trying to bug them and all that stuff but this time the Democrats were going to spy on Trump. So what they did was they had to invent a damn good reason to do it. Uh, One of two reasons. First of all, they thought Hillary was going to win and nothing would ever be found out. But if in case they did, or somebody did some digging after the election, they had to come up with this really, what seems like a really damn good reason to be spying on Trump. So they invented the dossier, they invented the Russian collusion thing, because that would convince a lot of Americans that that was a good enough reason to spy on your political opponent. And that's what all this is. So when he's on, I saw him on 60 Minutes the other night, and he's sitting there, well, we were really concerned that Trump might be in, in league with Putin. And, and, and of course, that's all fabricated. It's just to hide the fact that they were trying to spy on a political opponent, and they just keep running with it because the media won't call them out on it. And, and that's what's going on here. It's just ridiculous. Right. Right. And also, they figure that Hillary would win and not only cover their crimes, reward them for it. Well, exactly. But they still had to not stupid. They still had to come up with a reason, because even after the election, Republicans might have found out all this stuff and and dug it all out anyway. And then they could have said, well, we really believe that he was uh, in cahoots with the Russians there. So that's why we did it. It, It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. I think it's taken way too long. But I I think now with the new attorney general, he's going to go back. 
and prosecute the people that they actually have real evidence on, you know, that, uh, that, the, that Comey and everybody else has kind of glossed over. Well, people have to remember that the FBI still has all the real evidence against all these people. It's not uh, supposition or possible collusion. They have all the evidence, so it's taken too long. But I think now if the attorney general will go back and finally prosecute all these people for what they did, we can get back. Well, you know what? Listen, I think you're engaging in what's called wishful thinking, Mike, and I hope you're right. But uh, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. I'm not so sure about that. Barr comes from the Department of Justice. I'm not really sure that uh, he's the guy who's the outsider who's going to come in and really clean up shop here. A lot of these people are his friends. A lot of these people that he's now the boss of are his former colleagues. The swamp protects itself. The bureaucracy protects itself. I know it sounds great, this idea that he's going to come in there and everybody's going to finally face justice. I think what you need is you need the Senate to do its job and investigate. That's their job in all this. But I wouldn't put too much stock in Bruce Barr. Hey, look, maybe I'm wrong. It just seems to me the fact that these guys are so brazenly discussing all this is that they know they're not going to get in trouble. They know that someone's going to cover for them. They know that the institutional bureaucracy, as Mark calls it, the federal leviathan, will always protect itself, will always circle the wagons for each other. It's what they do. In addition to knowing that their crimes would not be discovered if Hillary won, they also thought the boss would be, uh, well, they'd ingratiate themselves to her. She'd be so happy with them. Great work. These are very ambitious people. You can hear it. McCabe, Rosenstein, these are ambitious people with lofty ideas of maybe becoming FBI director and attorney general of the United States one day or maybe going on a court, you know, a high-ranking court, maybe the Supreme Court, who knows. All of these people that engage in this stuff believed Hillary would win and they believed that they would be rewarded for their efforts, not just that their crimes would be covered up, but that they would be rewarded. And then when it doesn't happen, they're not worried about getting punished, which is why he's there telling Scott Pelley, look, in a normal world, if there were actually repercussions for this stuff, you burn all the files. You never talk about this. You don't mention a word of this. There's an attempted coup against the president of the United States. You don't write a book and talk about it. You don't go on 60 Minutes and brag about it. You never mention a word of it. And everybody who knows about it has to all agree that, look, we never talk about this. Files are destroyed. People go missing. That's the kind of stuff that happens in the real world, right? But we're in such a strange place now where you have these guys going on television going, Scott, listen, just another thing we talked about. We, we were lobbying, we were counting heads, counting heads of cabinet members in an attempted but failed coup d'etat against the president of the United States. And because we know we're not going to get in trouble for this, I wrote a book so I could profit off of this. Because I figure if I'm not going to get in trouble, I might as well make a little, you know, some uh, fazools, as we call it back in uh, Jersey. Might as well make some money off this. Might as well make money. What does that tell you about the institutionalism of our federal government? What does that tell you about the bureaucracy? The brazenness, the arrogance of these people. But they thought, in addition to the fact that their coup failed, instead of burning the papers that may tie any of them into it, that may lead back to them, they openly write about it, brag about it, try to profit off of it. If that doesn't tell you where we are in terms of the bureaucracy in this country having more power than the people and more power than the people's elected representatives. I don't know what does. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Here on the Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one coming right back. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. disgusting to see the candidate for the presidency taking those lies and manipulating them for his own advantage and then to hear you know the chants and the boos of thousands of people who are just accepting those lies at face value it's chilling you know the uh, amazing thing about this welcome back to the mark levin show the great one back with you tomorrow night andrew mccabe's wife uh was very involved in politics jill mccabe and in the middle of all this with andrew mccabe Sitting there as he's with Scott Pelley and they're discussing, you know, a coup d'etat against the president of the United States, a failed coup. Uh, the question about whether or not his wife had anything to do with this is the campaign motivated him at all. And he just shrugs it off. No, 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 nothing. Democrats donated to his wife's campaign. Scott Pelley opens the interview with Andrew McCabe. He mentions he's a lifelong Republican. He doesn't mention his wife is 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 a big Democrat who's getting money from the Terry McAuliffe, the Guy who may run for president, the, the, the guy who ran the Clinton finance operation, Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat governor of Virginia. He doesn't mention that because that would blow the narrative. See, the narrative that Scott Pelley and others want you to believe is that here's Andrew McCabe, this dedicated Republican, lifelong partisan, who now comes forward to talk to you about all these things because he has to do it out of loyalty and duty to his country, like with Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein, who also, of course, now a lifelong servant, a Republican himself, who offers to wear a wire and talks about the 25th Amendment because of love for country and his fear, his absolute fear of what was happening within the Oval Office in the White House. And yet they ignore all of the partisan nonsense that was happening during the campaign. And I mean the stuff of... Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, the FISA warrants, James Comey, the Russia dossier. They ignore all of that. And they just act as if these guys got in there. The president gets elected and they look around one day and go, oh, Russia, look, oh, Russia. And now we got to do something about it. And nobody in the media stops for a second to say, if, if they can do this, if the FBI and the DOJ can do this, what, what does that say for our republic, for our democracy? You know, you had uh, you had Alan Dershowitz, the Dersh. 
he was on and he was saying, yeah, this, this is clearly an attempt at a coup d'etat. Clearly. Using the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. It was never intended to be that. Never intended to be that way. And yet here these guys were trying to do it. And I'm telling you, the fact of the matter is, is that they were counting heads of members of the cabinet because they thought they could possibly get away with it. And when they were trying to achieve that, had they gotten away with it then, they just assumed that the members of the cabinet would all be sworn to secrecy. Nobody would ever know. Yet the coup fails, and here they are on television talking about it, making money off of it. That, to me, is the most amazing part of this. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, so much to get to, including the Jussie Smollett hoax. Finally exposed for you. Hour two, straight ahead. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. If there was a time when Alan Dershowitz was considered a liberal, now he's called the right-wing hack for defending civil liberties. What's changed? The fact that the left no longer cares about civil liberties. That's what's changed. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. The great one will be back with you tomorrow night. I am your fellow Levinite, Rich Zioli, on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to be with you tonight. The failed coup against the president, something that the authors of the coup were openly just bragging about, talking about, counting heads, now trying to monetize it. Think about that for a second, what that says about the times in which we live. Now, the Dersh... I actually really respect the Dersh because, while he and I may not agree on much politically, he is a consistent and ardent defender of the Constitution and civil liberties. One of the last few left, honestly. They mock him on the left now. They mock him as being a guy who's a right-wing hack. When all he's trying to do is to make sure that this power doesn't go unchecked, because if it happens now, it will happen again and again. If they get away with it now... They'll get away with it again in the future, and then we won't be a republic anymore. We'll be a police state with the federal government deciding who gets to become the president, the successor, intimidating their enemies, political enemies, exactly what they do in police states. All the Dersh is trying to do is just warn us of it. This is what he said. Well, if that's true, it is clearly an attempted coup d'etat. Let's take the worst case scenario. Let's assume the president of the United States was in bed with the Russians, committed treason, committed obstruction of justice. The 25th Amendment simply is irrelevant to that. Right. That's why you have an impeachment provision. Exactly. The 25th Amendment is about Woodrow Wilson having a stroke. It's about a president being shot and not being able to perform his office. It's not about the most fundamental disagreements. It's not about impeachable offenses. And any Justice Department official who even mentioned the 25th Amendment in the context of President Trump has... <clears throat> committed a grievous offense against the Constitution. So here's Andrew McCabe, and he's the acting, former acting FBI director, talking to Scott Pelley over the weekend. And he's saying, yeah, you know, we actually talked about invoking the 25th Amendment of the Constitution. They can invoke the 25th Amendment. McCabe's talking about how they tried to get the president's cabinet. So, you know, the president fills a cabinet with various people to do their jobs, energy, commerce, agriculture, so on. 
They wanted those cabinet members to all vote with the vice president to remove Donald Trump from office. As the Dersh outlines for you, the 25th Amendment is there if a president can't do his job because of health reasons. Now, I'll go a step further and say if the president is is lost it, you know, if, if he's actually talking to the ghost of Abraham Lincoln every night in the White House. Yes, that's another reason to use the 25th Amendment. It is not for criminal purposes. So that's another part of this, too, that what, what Alan Dershowitz is discussing, everyone should pay attention to. If the president had broken the law, let's say they actually had evidence of some sort of Russian collusion. It, it is not the FBI and the DOJ. It's not their job to go to the cabinet and say, use the 25th Amendment, because the 25th Amendment is not there to deal with a president who's committed high crimes and misdemeanors. That's the impeachment clause. And that's for Congress to deal with. This is the bureaucracy being so brazen as to go around it and do all of this now, thinking that they could get away with it. Rod Rosenstein wanted to wear a wire. Now, this is amazing, too, because Andrew McCabe discusses how his boss, Rod Rosenstein, was going to go out there and he was going to wear a wire. You know, he doesn't get the White House security. What they were going to try to get the president on wire admitting to, I don't really know. He doesn't know either. But here, here you have these Department of Justice and FBI officials all sitting around a room acting like the president is some third-rate mob boss, you know? Like he's Donnie Brasco. Wear a wire, maybe put a wire in his shoe, maybe an old-school, you know, VHS tape. I, I don't know. They're discussing this as if the president of the United States is a third-rate criminal. And they're talking about this in the context of, yeah, you know, we should go in there to the Oval Office now. The Oval Office. And get the president on on wire, like what we do to drug dealers and what we do to mob bosses and what we do to people who are corrupt. And we're going to do this now, but we still don't know why we're doing it. We don't know why. We can't really explain what our goal is here, what we're looking for, but we might do it anyway. Cut three. AM three. The discussion of the 25th Amendment was was simply Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point. Exactly. And then uh, then he says, yes, so Rod Rosenstein wanted to wear a wire. The cut I meant to get to cut four. We talked about um, why the president had insisted on firing the director and whether or not he was thinking about the Russia investigation and did that impact his decision. And in the context of that conversation, the deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious, and in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the offer. Um, I did discuss it with my general counsel and my leadership team back at the FBI after he brought it up the first time. But he never says what he was looking for on the wire. They never talk about what they're trying to find. 
They don't. They still don't know what they were trying to find. Look, if the FBI wears a wire and they go in to sit down at a diner with some corrupt politician and they say to the guy, uh, yeah, you know, listen, um, I'd like to build a mall here. And they're hoping to catch the mayor say, well, listen, you can do a mall, but you got to give me a bag of cash for twenty five thousand dollars and then your mall can go forward. So if you have the FBI guys discussing why we're going to wear a wire because we want to get the mayor openly asking for money. Fine. They don't know what they're looking for here. Rosenstein offers to wear a wire for what purpose? Nobody knows. McCabe doesn't know. Rosenstein doesn't know. He admits they don't know what they're looking for. They have no idea because the president hasn't done anything. They, the president hasn't done anything, and yet they still want to wear a wire. The reason why he didn't wear a wire is because they had no idea what they were looking for. And, of course, Scott Pelley doesn't doesn't say that to him. Well, ultimately, isn't that why he did not wear a wire? Because they didn't have anything to try to get the president on tape saying. But they don't say that because they don't ask the question. They just ignore it. You see, eight, seven, seven, three, eight, one, three, eight, one, one. Clinton is in Wilmer, Minnesota. Clinton, I'm Rich Zioli in for the great one. How are you? Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. How are you doing today? Very well, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I wanted to, to, two things. First off, uh, it really struck me yesterday as odd. You know, here we have um, not only Comey, but also um, Mr. McCabe as well. Um, and they they brag about how they, they, they recall all these things because they took such comprehensive notes and, and, and they were very detail-oriented. But then when they asked a question about the details that could possibly be problematic, Oh, they can never recall those things. He was asked specifically, how did the conversation get started with Rod Rosenstein, with your boss, talking about invoking the the 25th Amendment? But he could remember how many times they spoke, and he could remember the conversation in general because he took great notes, but he couldn't remember how the conversation was brought up on either or all three occasions. That that, that, That stinks to me. Yes. And uh, if you notice, though, they can't remember when the conversation was brought up, but he's forgiven for that. If you were talking about getting rid of the president of the United States, invoking the 25th Amendment, if you were talking about getting the cabinet together, wouldn't you be pretty clear about when that occurred? Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about changing history here. You're doing something that nobody's ever done before in the context of why the amendment's not there. You know that if you do this and you don't get away with it, you could lose your head. You know that if you do this and you get away with it, you're going to have a new president. Yet you don't remember when and where you had the conversations. I'm calling BS on that. Clinton, thanks for the call. Appreciate it very much. Sal, Staten Island, New York, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, Rich, thank you for taking my call. You got Uh, it. Something just popped into my head while I'm listening to you and that caller that just uh, called you. If you recall back about a year and a half, two years ago, the mainstream media was going insane, saying that the president was not fit for office. He's got mental issues. The the mainstream media knew this was going on then. The mainstream media, because they put it into play two years ago, that the president was mental, and that's how you invoke the 25th Amendment. And if you wear a wire, okay, I'm trying to play detective here. If you, if right. Wear a wire, and you can show that he's mentally incapable to serve the office. Boom, there you go. There's your 25th Amendment. 
okay? The mainstream media has been on, on this coup from day one. There's no question in my mind, when you have 93% negative coverage of the president 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's insane. And I said two years ago, and I called in this show, and I spoke to Mr. Levin, okay? And I said, why is Jeff Sessions not doing anything in reference to, he says, well, he's recused himself from the Russia investigation. I'm not talking about the Russia investigation. I'm talking about all these crimes that are popping up that, you know, Clapper and Brennan and, and Comey. And why is he not stepping in to rebut everything that's going on there? Jeff Sessions completely stayed out of it. A year later, then the radio show, everybody's talking about Jeff Sessions also. Now, my other concern is, with the new attorney general, okay? But the concern for the new attorney general is he's not going to do anything. No, 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 no. What I'm saying to you is, if he does not do anything within the next month, if we don't see anything happen within the next month, that's going to be very scary and concerning to me. Yeah. I, well, I was right about Jeff Sessions over two, uh, two years ago, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what worries me about now Mr. Barr. If we don't see any action within the next month, number, number, number one, McCabe should be pulled in by him in two weeks. Yeah. Sal, you're right, buddy. Listen, you, you better see some action. Thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very, very much. You better see some action, but I'm telling you now, you're not going to see action. That's the problem. Because Barr comes from the Department of Justice. He comes from the swamp. He's a swamp creature rising up here. You have McCabe and Rosenstein just, you know, casually talking about a coup against the president. And there's McCabe on TV bragging about it, making um, making money off it by writing a book about it. There might be a movie. Maybe there'll be a movie. Maybe there's movie rights. Not only is he not afraid of getting in trouble for this, he's making money off of it. What does that tell you about where we are in this country with how much power the swamp really has? 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show, the great one, back with you tomorrow night, coming straight back. Mark Levin. Former acting FBI, former FBI director, he's sitting there with uh, Scott Pelley, and they're talking over the time after James Comey's fired. He's worried that all of this entire investigation may just go away. Poof, might just disappear, go away into thin air. And as Andrew McCabe is uh, discussing all this with Scott Pelley, it makes you think of one thing in particular on the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zeolian for the Great One. It makes you think about one thing in particular. He's worried about he's got to get all this out there. He's got to get all this out there regarding the investigation into the president. And while he's sitting there with the former deputy director, Andrew McCabe, as he's sitting there with him. And McCabe makes this comment. The follow up question Scott Pelley should ask him, but doesn't. I will ask. Take a listen. I was very concerned that I was able to put the Russia case on absolutely solid ground in an indelible fashion that were I removed quickly or reassigned or fired, that the case could not be closed 
or uh, vanish in the night without a trace. I wanted to make sure that our case was on solid ground, and if somebody came in behind me and closed it and tried to walk away from it, they would not be able to do that without creating a record of why they'd made that decision. Does that happen? Do cases just get closed like that without a record that just disappear into the night? Why doesn't Scott Pelley ask him that question? Do you have examples of that, Mr. McCabe, and your years of being a career law enforcement guy, a dedicated public servant, a dedicated career FBI guy? Have you seen this? How does that process work? How do cases just disappear? Where do they go? And when they do disappear, does anybody ever talk about it? Does anybody ever say in the middle of the night everything just disappeared, files went missing, cases gone, bodies missing, people missing? Because if it doesn't happen, then you are making a hysterical allegation. If it doesn't happen, then you are just using pure, utter hysteria for the purposes of just justifying continuing an investigation without what? Evidence of a crime. See, that's really the truth, right? Unless there's a proven period of history where you can point to where some entity comes down in the middle of the night and all of a sudden cases are just gone, gone, in which case then we really got to get to the bottom of that. That deserves a book. That deserves a movie. How that happens, how cases just go poof into thin air like Kaiser shows they just poof cease to exist. That is the real story. If that doesn't happen. Then Andrew McCabe is full of it, and he's saying that only to justify investigating the sitting president of the United States in the absence of the E-word, evidence, evidence of a crime. Think about it for a second. If there was evidence of a crime, he would have said, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, we, we've got evidence here. The president did something, so we are now looking into this. We have everybody on it. We have evidence the president broke the law. We have evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. We have evidence of this. We have evidence of that. He doesn't say that. He says, I was afraid it might go away. It might disappear. But if that doesn't routinely happen, then he's just making an excuse to justify an investigation into an American citizen who happens to be president without a single shred of evidence. If it does happen, can we please get to the bottom of that? Because I'd like to know that, wouldn't you? Rich Zioli for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. The cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 
You know, it was back in uh, March of 2017 when Mark Levin broke down for you exactly the attempted coup against the president. Now, a lot of people in radio, Mark calls them the the backbenchers, they all try to act like they knew this was going on, but everybody should be giving Mark credit. He was the first one to figure this out. You remember, he said wiretapping, and they all mocked him. They laughed at him. Last week, I had Mr. Producer play the montage of all the late-night idiots, the jackals going on, mocking Mark Levin as some right-wing conspiracy host, right-wing conspiracy nut. This is all true. Everything that Mark said was happening is really happening, and that's why we are here today, right now, right here on The Mark Levin Show. Mark, we'll be back with you tomorrow night. I'm Rich Zioli, honored to be in for the great one. Mark is a great guy. He's brilliant, as you know, and he also understands the law. And he also understands, I think better than anybody, how the government can abuse power because he was in the Justice Department. He was there. He he saw it. He was chief of staff to an attorney general. So when he sees these kind of people acting out and abusing their authority, people should pay attention to it. You know, in that montage of Colbert and all the others mocking Mark. At no point do they say former chief of staff to an attorney general of the United States of America. They just act as if he's a right-wing radio kook. Now that McCabe's out there saying all this stuff, you don't hear a lot of people in the media really spending time trying to break down just how dangerous this could be for our future. Because they've been... Distracted by another story taking everybody's attention away, an actor on a show called Empire named Jussie Smollett. Smollett. Jussie Smollett, who claims that he was the victim of a hate crime in Chicago on a very, very cold night. He claims that he was walking down the street. It claimed, I should say, because this is all a hoax. He was walking down the street at 2 a.m. when a couple of guys approached him, threw bleach on his face, beat him up made homophobic slurs at him, put a noose around his neck, and yelled, this is MAGA country. MAGA meaning make America great again. When it happened, all the politicians and the media quickly stopped at whatever they were doing. They dropped everything they were doing and ran and said, ah, Trump's America. You see, this is Trump's America. Now we're finding out this is all a gigantic hoax. As I said, it was the day it happened. There were way too many questions. First of all, who goes out and commits a hate crime at 2 a.m. in Chicago when it's negative 70 out? That's number one. Number two, if these guys were trying to get him because he claims he was a very outspoken Trump critic, if they were waiting to get him, if they were orchestrating this, they got the bleach, they got the noose, they got all this stuff. They're obviously local Why not wait till a better time to do it than such a cold Chicago night? And if they are local, why are they yelling, this is MAGA country? They know Chicago is not MAGA country. It's not even close to MAGA country. It's the furthest thing from MAGA country you can ever find. Why were they doing these things? But you see, the media doesn't ask any of those things. They rush to say, Jesse Smollett's a victim. And all these grandstanding hacks, like my senator in New Jersey, Cory Booker, came out and said, we have to pass the anti-lynching law, federal anti-lynching act. First of all, this was not a lynching. It wasn't even a attempted lynching. It was a hoax. 
Now we know that Jesse Smollett, it appears to be, we don't know if he hasn't been officially charged yet, that two guys, two brothers, two Nigerian brothers were hired by him to go out there and act as the two MAGA guys for the purposes of what becomes the question, what? Now, so many people doubted this when it first came out. So many people doubted this, myself included. And we all said, come on, nothing about this story adds up. First of all, Trump supporters are not sitting around with nooses and bleach just waiting to go after people who are mean to him on Twitter. We might fight with you on Twitter. There might be a lot of that, too much of that, maybe. But we're not going down the streets of Chicago, certainly not when it's that cold, to commit a hate crime. I also said there's another thing, too. He, he didn't tell the police. They said this is MAGA country the first time that he talked to the police. That was the next day. You probably remember that, right? If you are an outspoken critic of Donald Trump and you're going on Twitter and you're bashing him all the time and a couple guys beat the hell out of you, throw bleach in your face, put a noose around your neck and yell, this is MAGA country, MAGA meaning make America great again. You remember that detail. That's probably the first thing you tell the police so that they can go catch the guys who did it to you. He didn't tell the police that till they called him the next day and said, hey, we're seeing this stuff on. So they asked him. We're seeing this stuff on social media. Did these guys say this is MAGA country? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 did I forget to say that? Did I miss that? So there were all these doubters. And he gives this big interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. And all these other people who are coming out there and saying, and this interview is amazing, too, because Robin Roberts just basically gave him the opportunity now to go after Trump people and MAGA people and all these other people and to go after the doubters, to go after anybody who doubts his story. She doesn't probe his story. Robin Roberts of ABC News doesn't get into the details of the time, the place, all the questions that arise to anybody who has common sense. She just lets him talk, lets him go. And you see, this is part of the larger narrative that in Donald Trump's America, hate crimes are rampant. They occur all the time. This is the new normal because of his America. He allows this to happen. He encourages this to happen. And his supporters are all maggot up that they're going outside a subway at 2 a.m. on a cold Chicago night with bleach and a noose to try to get a guy who's mean to him on Twitter. And then he, uh, Jesse Smollett, was given the opportunity to discuss his anger over the reaction to his claims. What is it that has you so angry? Is it the, the attackers? It's the is attackers, it- but it's also the attacks. It's like, you know, at first it was a thing of like, listen, if I tell the truth, then that's it, because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Then it became a thing of like, Oh, how can you doubt that? Like, how do you how do you not believe that? It's the truth. And then it became a thing of like, oh, it's not necessarily that you don't believe that this is the truth. You don't even want to see the truth. Well, the truth that we're seeing now is that this was most likely a ratings hoax. That Jesse Smollett was worried about either losing his role on the show Empire or wanted to do something big for Sweeps Week. We also know now that he once auditioned for a role in a play that shares eerie similarities to his alleged attack. And he may have used Instagram to tip off the brothers to his whereabouts the night of, a, of the beatdown, according to a report on Monday. This is from The New York Post. 
Yes, in the hours before the violent January 29th assault in Chicago, Jussie Smollett was in New York City for a day of readings for a possible revival of Take Me Out. The Tony-winning production follows a biracial baseball player who was attacked by a pitcher and called the N-word and the F-word for gay people after coming out. The characters compete on a team called the New York Empires. Smollett was among actors, including Zachary Quinto, to perform two readings that day, one in the morning and another in the afternoon. Afterward, he popped to LaGuardia Airport to fly back to Chicago to film the final episodes of the fourth season of Empire. But when the flight got delayed... Jussie Smollett began posting Instagram stories, which the Chicago police now believe were meant for the brothers, the two Nigerian brothers, to see ahead of the attack. One story had the airport tagged as a location and the caption, guess who is still on this mother effing runway after two hours? Another two hours later said, hey, it's me again. Think I took off yet? Nah. And then a third post when the plane finally took off. So the brothers had told the cops the attack was supposed to happen earlier than that day. Now, isn't it a little bit of a, what do you call it, a coincidence that he was literally now auditioning for a play where the guy would get beat up and called the N-word and the F-word for gay people? And he is a, a, a gay black actor in real life. And, and so he wanted to get beat up so you can say, hey, look, I've lived this. Maybe he get the part. Who knows? But that's the thing, though. The media and politicians ran with this. They ran with this in a heartbeat because they so wanted it to be true. We have a little uh, what we call a montage, a montage for you of the media all rushing, all rushing to believe the Jussie Smollett story. The media all rushing to just believe it and to want to run with it and embrace it because, of course, this furthers their narrative that this is Trump's America. Beaten with a noose around his neck and hospitalized. Empire star Jesse Smollett was the victim of a vicious, racist, and homophobic attack. Not only homophobia, we're talking about racism. We're talking about hate with steroids. They are looking for two suspects who were apparently wearing Make America Great Again hats. The offenders uttered, this is MAGA country. The hate crime went down early this morning in Chicago. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi tweeting the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is an affront to our humanity. And Senator Cory Booker said the vicious attack on actor Jesse was an attempted modern day lynching. Yeah, a lot of people can't believe this is actually happening in 2019. It's hard to believe that we're reporting, that we're even saying words like this in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is America in 2019. Yeah, but it's not, though. And that was uh, Brooke Baldwin from CNN. It's actually not America in 2019. It's a guy who staged it to make you think this is America in 2019, probably so we get a role in a play. At least it's looking more and more that way. Now, the reason why Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, and Senator Kamala Harris from California and others ran with this is because of the narrative that hatred is a thing in Trump's America. It's open And it's out there and it's everywhere. And time after time, more of these hoaxes keep happening. In fact, a little bit later here on the Mark Levin Show, I'll share with you a whole series of hoaxes or hoaxi that have occurred in the last several years. But now you have these politicians are all they they don't really know what to do right now. So Cory Booker says, well, now we need to wait for the facts to come out. When it first came out, he said, this is why we need an anti-federal lynching law. 
Now I think we need an anti-fake federal lynching law to deal with fake federal hate crimes. That's what I think we probably need. Kamala Harris, who came out and also said this was a hate crime, now comes out and says, well, let's see all the facts that comes out. And Robin Roberts defending the softball puff piece interview. I mean, just the allowing the actor to go on and spew his stuff without ever contradicting or questioning any of his basic facts defending the interview. This case is ever evolving, uh, head spinning, changing. Oh, yeah. When we, when I sat down with Jesse, it was Tuesday night in Chicago at the time to give his first account, publicly give his first account of what he said happened. And we have to remember at that time on Tuesday, police officers were saying that his account was consistent, it was credible, and that he was being cooperative. Now this was all before the air interview aired on Thursday and then we found out about the brothers. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Had you asked more questions and done your job in the media to actually, I don't know, probe the story instead of just giving him a platform, maybe you would have discovered some of these things. You know, there were just common sense questions that the media could have been asking. Common sense questions. You know, if you were really being targeted for your anti-Trump hatred, if you were that known for your anti-Trump stuff and you believe that that was the purpose of the attack, why did you not tell the police that the first time that you talked to the police? Why would this happen on such a cold Chicago night? How did they know you were going to be at that subway since you said you just popped in to get a sandwich at 2 a.m.? All of these things that a decent journalist should have asked, but they didn't want to ask. Robin Roberts and her co-host, George Stephanopoulos, who I call the unbiased journalist because he's anything but. He's a Democrat hack. He always has been. They want this to be true because they have a narrative to advance. This is Trump's America. Every time you see one of those racist notes on a uh, on a, you know, I'm not giving you a tip that turns out to be fake. That's part of what this is. But with this guy, Jesse Smollett, it's glorious because he was actually auditioning for a play where this was the plot of the play. I mean, you got to give the guy credit for creativity or actually there's no creativity. He just plagiarized the play he was auditioning for. It's amazing. Actually, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli for the great one. Mark Levin coming right back. Mark Levin. show the great one back tomorrow night i know you fell the vinites we're all excited the great one will be back 877-381-3811 discussing the actor jussie smollett i'll tell you you know it's um if it's a career move and what he was going for then that's refreshing at least i mean really if he was trying to advance his career by staging a, a, an attack then at least that's refreshing from what than what we've seen in the last couple of years in Trump's America. There's been a lot of these hoaxes. I'll share more of these hoaxes with you in the third hour. But then colleges, towns in Philadelphia it was like a shoelace in a tree. And everybody always has the same reaction. The politicians come out right away, declare this to be a dark day in America. They propose some new law because that's their answer to everything. More laws, more control. And then as time goes on, you either never hear the story again or you hear briefly that it was fake and then it just goes into the abyss. 
The reason why we can't let the Jussie Smollett story go into the abyss is because this is the epitome of all of it. Here's a guy who made up this attack and took the time to say that they yelled MAGA country. And he went after a gay African-American guy, threw bleach on him, heinous, vicious, vicious attack. They yelled, this is MAGA country motivated by hatred, homophobia, everything the media says that you are motivated by, you MAGA hat wearing rube you. And it turns out it was a hoax. But then it turns out it might have been done to get the part in a play, which is greed, is it not? I mean, isn't that greed? Isn't that the uh, thing that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez despises and so many of the left despise greed? Uh, here's the guy who just wanted a part in a play, so he stages the attack, maybe, so that the director of the production would say, whoa, well, obviously we got to cast Jussie. I mean, this just happened to him. He auditioned for a role in a play that shares eerie similarities to his alleged attack. So either the guy is that dumb and just not creative, where he read the script of, of getting attacked and being called these words and then went and just staged the exact same thing, or he's so smart, he said, I'll, I'll stage this exact attack, and then they'll say, oh, well, uh, clearly he's got to, I mean, this is the guy. He's, he's born for this. He's ready for this. And then the two brothers... Come forward and say, yeah, no, he paid us to do this. And all these little things just fall apart. They always do, by the way. The truth is that you're not out there committing hate crimes, you Trump supporters. You're not out there calling people names, and you're not out there yelling MAGA country. You're not writing things on receipts. You're not a racist, even though they say you are. That's the truth. The Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one. He's back tomorrow night, hour three, straight ahead. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Of course, the Jesse Smollett hoax and the Andrew McCabe hoax have one thing in common, a narrative that trumps America is a mess. It's racist, it's wrong, it's corrupt, and it has to be stopped. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Good news, the great one's back with you tomorrow night. Rich Zioli, the honor to sit in for Mark. Mark is the reason I got into radio. Uh, and also, by the way, the reason that uh, when all of this nonsense goes on, 
I tune in like you do, which is why I say I'm a fellow Levinite. And Mark was all over this whole thing with, with the president and the wiretapping very long ago, back when they all made fun of him and called him a kook and a right-wing nut job and everything else. He endured all that, and now we know it's all true. And you may have endured the same thing if you doubted the Jussie Smollett story. Jussie Smollett again, the actor from the show Empire, which I don't know about you, but I, I don't I, have, I don't watch it. I don't really watch TV. I have a four year old and a two year old. So we watch a lot of things that are cartoons like you know, PJ Masks and things like that. But when my wife and I are actually not watching TV, uh, we're actually hanging out together. We're, we're rarely watching TV because we just you know, we're tired. We worked and then. The kids and everything. I'm not turning on Empire, but I had no idea who the guy was. I know a lot of people who go on Twitter and they trash Trump. They obviously, but I had no idea he was one of them. Wouldn't have known that. And that's my job to kind of know that stuff. I mean, here I'm a talk show host in Philadelphia. I, I really I'm on Twitter a lot at Rich Zioli. I know when people are actively out there and it's they come at me sometimes. Trolls come at me. I didn't know that Jussie Smollett was one of those people till this quote-unquote attack happened and then looked back and said, oh, oh, look, 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 he's a, a rabid anti-Trumper. And he says that's why the attack happened. But one of the questions that should have been asked of him was, are you so sure that people know you're really this big anti-Trump guy on Twitter? That question was not asked either by Robin Roberts. It wasn't asked because they just, again, want to believe he's right. There's a long pattern of this, by the way. I have a whole stack here of stuff. Uh, let's see here now. Lawyer, a racist note given to black waitress in Virginia is a fake. That was from Loudoun County, Virginia. Kelly Carter, who was a waitress at Anita's New Mexico Cafe in Ashburn, Virginia, claimed that a white man stiffed her on a $30.52 restaurant bill and wrote, great service, don't tip black people at the bottom of the receipt. But the note was forged, says a lawyer for the customer. He says Friday's client did leave the waitress a small tip, one penny, because her service was poor, not because she's black. Our client did not, nor would he ever write anything about refusing to tip African-Americans because of their race, according to WTOP. This from the College Fix, December 2018. Another hoax, black student targets himself and others with racist graffiti. There's been yet another incident of race hoax madness, this time involving a black student at Maryland's Goucher College. Finn Ajani Arthur, a member of the school's lacrosse team, was charged on Thursday with two counts of malicious destruction of property after investigators determined he was responsible for dormitory swastika graffiti, which targeted specific individuals, including himself. Just the other day, officials at Drake University in Iowa determined racist notes targeting students in dorms were hoaxes. According to the Daily Mail, Arthur's scribblings depicted swastikas, the letters KKK, and appear to include the last names of four black students, himself being one of the students. He was released on his own recognizance, but has been banned from the campus. Uh, of course, now, when this happened, you can imagine a number of people came out and said things like, these acts of hate have consumed our community, and we feel strongly that these must stop. And everybody right away rushes to jump with, like, with the wait waitress story. They rush to come out and condemn this right away. This is hatred. This is inexcusable. This must stop. They post things on Facebook and everybody comments and they blame the president for this. They blame the president. It's amazing to me. It's always amazing how they do that. Boy claims prank for black doll found hanging from noose at Queen Village, Philadelphia playground. 
The fewer that erupted Thursday when a black doll was found hanging from a wire with a noose around its neck in Queen Village. It's a part of Philadelphia. Quieted later in the day when two preteen boys, one black and one white, came forward and said they had put the doll there as a prank. There was nothing racial about their act, they said. The Reverend Mark Kelly Tyler, pastor of Mother Bethel AME Church, said in an interview Thursday night that the boys admitted the act to NBC10 reporter Rosemary Connors and said they thought the doll was creepy and put it up to scare people. Tyler said he spoke by phone with Mayor Jim Kenney and Police Commissioner Richard Ross about the new information and said, I think everybody is satisfied. Of course, that didn't stop Mayor Kenney from coming out and tweeting before he had all the facts together. Sickened by what took place today at the playground. This despicable act shows how far this country has fallen when people are inspired by hateful rhetoric. We'll do everything we can to bring those responsible to justice. Earlier in the day, the police commissioner had said this absolutely was a hate crime. The director of human resources of Philadelphia said this was a heinous hate crime targeting the African-American community. This is what happens. So people rush to judgment and they say it's a hate crime and it's a larger sign of America. Instead of just saying this is a hate crime and we got to deal with it, which, by the way, it's not. But let's just assume they did that. Say they kept it on the micro level for a moment. This is a hate crime. It's intolerable for our community. Instead, because Trump's president, they say, this is hate crime and this is America today and this is why this is sickening and this has to stop and this goes all the way up to Donald Trump. And then when it turns out to be a fraud, they don't apologize to the president. They don't apologize to the MAGA hat wearing crowd. They just, in fact, now with Jesse Smollett, the actor from Empire, who claims that he was called these names, beat up, bleach thrown in his face, a noose around his neck. He's now a victim because how mentally deranged must he be to do this and the kind of pressure that's put on people in Trump's America that makes them do this. So he's actually still a victim, you see, I guess, if you believe that. Racist note at Kansas State University turns out to be a hoax. College fixed staff, November of 2018. And uh, there's another headline here, another hate crime at the University of Maryland. It turns out to be a hoax from Reason.com. Beware of easy narratives about bias incidents. We usually don't know who's behind them. And when we find out, they often aren't who you'd expect. This was racially charged graffiti, including a swastika in the bathroom at the University of Maryland, reported as a hate crime. Case was solved. The perpetrator was Terrell DeMonte Alexander, an 18-year-old former university employee who's black. The incident was a hoax or at least an act of intimidation committed by a member of the targeted minority group. It was not an act of, uh, of a hate crime. It's the second such deceptive case at the university in the past few months. Last October, police arrested Ronald Alford, a 52-year-old black former employee, for spray-painting a swastika on campus. At the University of Maryland, workplace grievances seem to be more important motivators of bias than racism. And uh, the waiter who faked a racist receipt, the latest to use shocking claims to get Facebook love. This from Fox News, Odessa, Texas. Uh, the woman had uh, said that the guy wrote, we don't tip terrorist at the bottom of, a, of the receipt, you know, the, the bill, the check. She put it on Facebook to get some Facebook love. A lot of this, I think, goes to the victim mentality that we live in today. A lot of this really is because you get a lot of attention when you're a victim. If you're the victim of something, you post it on social media. Look what they wrote on my receipt. You don't have to prove anything. 
If anybody says you're making it up, they're, you know, immediately then they're a bigot for doubting you. And you get flooded with all kinds of just love and, and they boost you up. They build you up and say, we'll get through this and this is wrong and this is Trump. It all comes back to Trump, right? And you don't have to be right. You just have to say it. You don't have to prove a damn thing. Hate crime at Michigan State University was actually just a missing shoelace. Again, Reason.com, Robbie Sove writing, how common are bona fide bias incidents? We don't know. This one was a shoelace that um, was, a, was a noose hung on a doorway. It turned out to be nothing more than a misplaced shoelace. And uh, the media keeps saying anti-Semitism has spiked 57% under Trump, but that statistic is really misleading. The Anti-Defamation League's report actually showed that attacks decreased in 2017 from 2016. And again, a lot of this now comes up to the point of a narrative that we are living in this awful, awful, awful place, which is why the Jussie Smollett story, much like the Covington story, the Covington Catholic kids, what happened in D.C. with Nathan Phillips, that narrative also, they ran with it. The media ran with it. Trump's America. Look what these kids did to this poor indigenous man. And as, as the story all unravels, they don't let it ever, they don't learn from any of these things. In other words, the media, politicians, they don't stop to say, you know, there's been like uh, 10 of these that have been hoaxes or just wrong. Why don't we take a deep breath? Instead, they just go all in. Do they not? They go all in. This is Cory Booker, my senator from the great state of New Jersey. I, it's really not a great state. I can. It's it's a very expensive over. It's a police state, basically. But anyway, Cory Booker wants to be president, and Cory Booker loves to grandstand. I call him Grandstandula. He's just a. It's what he does. He's Spartacus. He grandstands. He's got his own band, and uh, he, right away when the Jesse Smile thing happened, he took no time. I mean, literally no time to grandstand. No, oh, that one. Okay, see, I I should have said the number on that. How about uh, JS7, Cory Booker on Jussie Smollett's attack? He opened up about what he's learned and the bigger message he wants the world to hear. What do you feel people need to hear the most from this story? That's the first time he's given a detailed account. That's okay, account. we're on the wrong one. We'll go at... Uh, well, the information's still coming out. I'm going to withhold until all the information actually comes out from on-the-record sources. Um, We know in America that uh, bigoted and biased attacks are on the rise in a serious way. We actually even know in this country that since 9-11, the majority of the terrorist attacks on our our soil have been right-wing terrorist attacks, the majority of them white supremacist attacks from the horrific shootings in in Pittsburgh or in South Carolina church. Uh, What we're seeing is attacks on people because they're different, and we all need to join together and condemn those attacks. You see what happens there? When the Jesse Smollett story first breaks, Cory Booker comes out and says, we need to pass the federal anti-lynching bill. When it turns out it's a hoax, Cory Booker comes out and says, well, let's get all the facts together. But regardless, there's still is still hatred everywhere. And I still want to go with the narrative of hate. So we're still going to go with narrative. All right. I, I can't allow us to go away from the narrative, even though Jesse Jesse Smollett might have made it up. All these other people might have made it up. But we still have a narrative here we have to go through. And we cannot walk away from it for a second. Now, there's a lot of left-wing anti-Israel sentiment on university campuses. As the uh, Vala conspiracy blogger and George Mason University law professor David Bernstein has pointed out, 
There's a lot of other issues with regards to anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party, as you've seen. I mean, just today, Louis, Louis Farrakhan was saying about the congresswoman who said Israel has hypnotized the world. You know, nothing to apologize for. But Jussie Smollett is proven to be a fraud, a hoax. He paid these brothers to go out there and beat him up and pour bleach on his face and put a noose around his neck. It's all wrong, but it doesn't change anything for the politicians in the media. They don't ever have to say their story. They just get to keep coming out there and saying, well, well, regardless, regardless, regardless. And then they throw fake statistics that have been disputed time and again, and the media lets them spew their nonsense because they also want to see the narrative fulfilled. Trump's America. Even though it's all a bunch of BS. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. And McCabe, Andrew McCabe, the FBI, it all plays together, as I will explain for you. Rich Zioli for the great one. He's back tomorrow night on The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. probably had never heard of Jussie Smollett before this. I hadn't heard of this before this, but we have to understand why this is so important. Because exposing this nonsense goes right into the heart of the narrative that Trump's America is a racist, hateful place. And you gotta expose it. And that's what we're doing here on the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one. He's back tomorrow. And I could not be happier. I love being with you. And I thank you for listening. I truly, truly do. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to connect, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. But I'm a fellow Levinite, and I can't wait to hear Mark's take on all the issues that have been going on. From Andrew McCabe and the FBI and the coup, the border wall, the national emergency, etc. So I'm very excited for his return, his triumphant return tomorrow night. Thank you for listening in his absence. I genuinely do really, truly appreciate it. This is little Brian Stelter. You know, Brian Stelter, who's very little, and I, I assume is going to hit puberty at any day now. He's on CNN now. At the listen, he's the media guy in CNN, analyzing the media now. Listen to his dumb take on how the media handled the initial Jussie Smollett hate crime story. Activists, actors, Hollywood celebrities, friends of Smollett, Democratic presidential candidates, they all wanted to sound like they were doing the right thing, saying the right thing, standing up for a victim. There's an inherent tension in this story between uh, wanting and needing to believe victims and yet knowing that people can take advantage of that, taking advantage of the idea that it's important to, to, to believe victims. And I, that tension has been in this story for weeks. There was a rush to judgment. I think it was mostly in the celebrity press and among activists and among Twitter people. Uh, I think it was a really careful reporting by news organizations. But it all gets lumped in together at the end of the day. It all gets lumped in together in the minds of many people who now look at this and say, what went wrong here? And obviously, at the end of the day, what went wrong is that he may have made it up. And ultimately, that's his responsibility. No, it's your responsibility because you guys never asked any tough questions in the media. And it's not just like he, it's like kooks on Twitter, Brian Stelter. It is people like Senator Cory Booker, United States Senator, United States Senator Kamala Harris, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, among others, and networks, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, Robin Roberts, all of them believing this. Don't downplay it like it's a couple of nuts on Twitter. In fact, this is Dan Abrams, the legal guy, their legal guy on ABC, trying to make Robin Roberts feel better after the uh, puff job she gave to Jussie Smollett. 
They wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to go out there and publicly start questioning someone who talks about a horrific attack like this until you've got the goods. And they're still being careful now. But I have to say, Robin, even in the interview that you did, you were talking about the skeptics. You were talking about the people who questioned his account. So it's not new, this idea that there are questions. You did your best, Robin. You did your best. It's laughable how the media falls. And it's laughable how badly they fell on the McCabe story, too. And when we get back, I'll break it down for you, just as Mark would like me to. And how he was always right. This was always a coup against the president. Rich Zioli for the great one coming right back. Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. And the great one will be back tomorrow night. Rich Zioli in for Mark. Uh, so great that you've let me hang out with you the last week or so. Thank you. And uh, I know Mark is very excited to come back tomorrow night. I know you're excited to have him back. Your fellow Levinite. And uh, we are excited to hear Mark's take on all this stuff. I will tell you that this uh, Andrew McCabe thing is amazing to me. Here's a guy trying to profit off of an attempted coup. So he was the uh, deputy director of the FBI, career FBI guy. And he talks about how he and Rod Rosenstein, the head guy at the Justice Department, talking about using the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, removing a sitting president, he writes a book about it. He goes on Scott Pelley and, and does an interview on 60 Minutes about it. Not afraid of, you know, being uh, tried for treason. He's trying to make money by selling books. It's amazing to me. Now, this is a little clip here where McCabe talks about a number of different things here. I'm going to play this for you, and I'm going to comment on it, because this is really something you should know. There was a full-out attempted coup against a sitting president of the United States. It failed. But the brazenness of all of this is truly, truly amazing as we listen to former deputy director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, on with Scott Pelley. The discussion of the 25th Amendment was was simply Rod raised the issue Rod. and discussed it with me. Rod is Rod Rosenstein. Let's just stop it for a second. Like, Rod, I love this. He just, Rod, Rod raised it with me. Rod just raised it with me, like, uh, go into the track Friday night. Well, Rod raised it with me, and I thought, yeah, why not? Wife's out of town. Let's do it. Rod. In the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort, um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair... It was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point. So, you know, I don't um, know about it, you, but when I'm stressed, I, I, I eat a lot. I, I'm a stress eater. And he's a he's a 25th Amendment guy when he's stressed out. You know what I mean? When he's stressed, he talks about removing a duly elected president of the United States of America. Don't judge him. You know, I'm stressed. I just tend to I, I go for the salty snacks myself. That's what I do when I'm stressed. He's very stressed. So obviously he's going to talk about removing the president of the United States and doing a coup d'etat. I mean, come on. Don't judge the guy. 
Um, it was really something that he kind of threw out in a in a very frenzied, um, chaotic conversation about where we were and what we needed to do next. What seemed to be coursing through the mind of the deputy attorney general was getting rid of the president of the United States. Well, one I, way or another, I can't confirm that. But what I can say, wait a second, you can't confirm that he's talking about using the 25th Amendment, which literally removes the president of the United States. I can't confirm that. You just did confirm that like eight seconds ago. You confirmed that when you said he was going to use the 25th Amendment. That's exactly what you just confirmed. Not even eight seconds ago, four seconds ago. This is amazing to me that Scott Pelley does not call him out on this. I can't confirm it. He's only talking about using the amendment of the Constitution that actually removes the president of the United States from the presidency. But I can't confirm if he actually wanted to remove him from the presidency. What? I can't confirm that. Amazing. But what I can say is the deputy attorney general was definitely very concerned about the president, about his capacity and about his intent at that point in time. How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you? Honestly, I don't remember. He, yeah, because, you know, what happens. Who would remember that? I mean, it's just it's a minor thing, you know, bringing up the 25th Amendment, getting the cabinet to meet with the vice president and vote to remove the sitting president of the United States. How am I going to remember something like that? I got a lot of my mind, Scott. How could I even? That's just one of those things you mentioned in passing. How please. You believe that this guy's amazing to me. He's acting like it's just so nonchalant that Rod, Rod, his boss, is just mentioning the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. I don't honestly I don't remember. I really so much going on. Busy day. What can I say, Scott? Amazing. He it was just another kind of topic that he jumped to in the midst of a, a, a of a wide ranging conversation. Seriously, have you, just yeah. another topic. Even Scott Pelley yeah. is taken aback by that. Scott Pelley wants so badly for McCabe to be right. Even he's shocked by this claim that it's just another topic. No, seriously, Scott, it's true. We're all trying to figure out what's going to happen on this season of Game of Thrones. It's the last one. I mean, Rod and I were talking about whether or not the keto diet works. I've heard a lot about it. Not sure. He's a real big carb guy. So we're. T- and then, yeah, the 25th Amendment came up. A lot of discussion, a lot of topics, a lot of topics, Scott. You can understand. Even Scott Pelley's calling BS on this. That's what it's amazing. Scott Pelley calling BS on Andrew McCabe going, really? Just a lot of topics? Really? Come on. Just yeah. another topic? Yeah. Did you counsel him on that? <laughs> I didn't. I mean, he was discussing um, other cabinet members and whether or not people would support such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was um, was really concerning, was concerning, Rod, at that time. Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Counting votes. Counting votes. Or possible votes. They had a chart. They had a chart, you know, with names on it. You know, Rick Perry, yes, no. They had a chart with names, maybe a column, columns. Of cabinet members in the president of the United States cabinet. Let's understand what this is now. The president of the United States appoints members of the cabinet. They serve the president. The Department of Justice has nothing to do with this. And here's the FBI, the former director of the FBI and the the Department of Justice guy 
talking about having the cabinet vote to remove the president of the United States. And they're sitting there cavalierly going, yeah, no, we're counting heads, we made a list, columns, you know, like, like it's the March Madness poll, like the March Madness pool, you know, who's in, who's not in. Just the office pool. That's all. Just which cabinet members are going to go, hey, is uh, is uh, Kentucky going all the way this year? You know, who's got the box for that this year? That's all. That's all it was. No big deal. No big thing. These guys should have nothing to do with this. Here's the test. FBI. Are you going after John Dillinger or Al Capone, a bootlegger, a gangster, a giant drug dealer, a terrorist? Yes. Then you're doing your job. If you're talking about the 25th Amendment and the president's cabinet, you're not doing your job. There is nothing in the FBI and the Department of Justice that says you get to invoke the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. Nothing. And you see, Scott Pelley should stop him right there and ask him that, that question and say, why would it be of the purview of the FBI and the Department of Justice to reach out to the president's cabinet. That's not your job, and it's not what the 25th Amendment of the Constitution is there for. It's there if the president is sick. It's there if the president's in a coma. It's there if the president is mentally incapacitated and can't do his job anymore because he's lost it. Nothing to do with crimes. That's the impeachment clause of the Constitution. That's up to Congress. So what, what gives you the right to reach out to the cabinet anyway in the first place? What makes you think this is okay? Your job to go after guys with Tommy guns. That's the FBI's job. Not to go after the president's cabinet in terms of rounding up them for votes against the president. Scott Pelley does not answer, ask any of these questions. He's just amazed, as I am, that they have a flip chart of all the cabinet members and then they're, they're, they're counting heads for a vote on invoking an amendment to the Constitution, which, by the way, has never been used before to remove a sitting president from office. And Scott Pelley's just going, yeah, oh, well, that's, oh, oh, you can't, yeah. Maybe, is there like an app? You can, a cabinet, you know, keep track of the cabinet, a 25th Amendment app you can use? Who's with you? Who's against you? Just to make your job easier as you're doing your coup d'etat. Because if you're going to do a coup d'etat, at least you might as well use the most modern technology available. This is the biggest softball interview I think I've ever heard in my life. Did he assign specific votes to specific people? No, not that I recall. As you're sitting in this meeting in the Justice Department talking about removing the president of the United States, you were thinking what? How did I get here? Confronting these confounding legal issues of such immense importance, not just to the FBI, but to the entire country. It was, um, it was disorienting. I'm disoriented from that interview. I don't know about you, but I'm completely disoriented. Here you have a guy sitting there on national television discussing an attempted coup d'etat against the president of the United States of America. And he's so brazen about it, he's trying to sell a book. He's not worried about not getting caught. Like you would think in reality, all the guys who were part of the coup would shred every document, would hide any trace to them and just disappear. Go to Key West and open a bar and pray they don't find you or hell, even leave the country and pray they don't find you. Instead, the swamp is so brazen, they write a book about it and he sits there with Scott Pelley and he talks about it on national TV. And because the media is so in on it and secretly rooting for them. 
he winds up just sitting there going, uh, just so cavalierly talking about how they were openly discussing removing the president of the United States and key details that really somebody should remember and should ask. Which cabinet members? When? When did you talk to them? How did you bring it up? How, was it, how do you mention something like that to a member of the cabinet? How does that conversation go? All these other things. And ultimately, what was the motivation for this? Other than you don't like him and you don't like what he said about your wife who ran for office in Virginia and got all kinds of Democrat money. What was the motivation for this, Mr. McCabe? He talks about, he said this earlier too, he said, you know, I was afraid the investigation was just going to disappear. Poof, disappear. And the question that I asked earlier is, does that routinely happen that investigations just literally disappear? Files are gone. Like they never existed. Nobody's there. It's all gone. Does that routinely happen? If it doesn't happen, then you're creating hysteria just to push a narrative so that you can justify going after somebody without any evidence. Without any evidence. Take a listen to what I mean by that. I was very concerned that I was able to put the Russia case on absolutely solid ground in an indelible fashion that were I removed quickly or reassigned or fired, that the case could not be closed or uh, vanish in the night without a trace. I wanted to make sure that our case was on solid ground, and if somebody came in behind me and closed it and tried to walk away from it, they would not be able to do that without creating a record of why they'd made that decision. A record, because it might vanish in the night. The case may just vanish in the night. Poof, it's gone. Like it never existed, or like Batman, just vanishes in the night. Where'd he go? Just he was here a minute ago. I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of superhero stuff. I have a four-year-old, so understand my references are going to be. Anyway, does that routinely happen, Mr. McCabe, where these investigations just vanish in the night? And if not, the hysteria that you're selling here, is that just to justify an investigation without any evidence whatsoever? Because if you had evidence, you wouldn't have to worry about an investigation disappearing, right? Because you had evidence of something. But if you didn't have any evidence and you had to keep going and going and going, and then you say, well, I got to keep going because I'm worried the investigation might disappear, but you have no evidence, and that becomes your excuse to keep investigating, that means you're violating somebody's civil liberties. This is a dangerous place in America where a failed coup d'etat against the president of the United States so brazenly talked about and now they're trying to profit off of it, by the way. And the media, of course, does not do its job as much as Scott Pelley has a nice voice and asks the real questions here, the real questions which need to be asked, including the fact of how can you just be so brazen about removing a duly elected president of the United States that you act like you're just talking about what, what your weekend plans are? What, how do you make a nice casserole? How do you use that instant pot that everybody's talking about? So brazen. So troubling. This is truly what a police state is. Make no mistake. The Mark Levin Show, the great one, back with you tomorrow night. I'm Rich Zioli in for Mark, and we are coming right back. Mark Levin. becomes what happens to all these people that orchestrated this coup against a president of the United States. Welcome back to Mark Levin Show. Good news. Mark is back tomorrow night. 
the great one, back with you tomorrow night. I just want to say thank you for letting me fill in for you, for Mark, uh, these past, uh, I guess it's like a week or so. Thank you for that. Very much appreciate it. Rich Zioli on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Love to connect with you. The fact is that there was a failed coup against the sitting president. The media so just, eh, you know, complete softballs against this with uh, McCabe, complete softballs. And at the heart of this is a troubling, troubling revelation. We are living in a police state. When the federal government's law enforcement division is engaged in politics, why are people on the left not afraid of this? Why are people not uh, concerned about this? I've heard a lot about this with regards to the president's national emergency declaration. That, well, you know, uh, if he does this and the left's going to do this, it's a legit point for discussion, right? Have you heard anybody on the left say that if the FBI can go after a Republican president... It can go after a Democrat president and warn us about that. Have you heard that? I have not. I've heard people say if Donald Trump declares an emergency on the border, then the Democrats will declare an emergency on climate change. It's a very valid point that should be discussed. And we discuss it. Have you heard a single Democrat or someone in the media say, you know, if the FBI and the Department of Justice can orchestrate a coup and try to invoke the 25th Amendment against a Republican president you don't like, couldn't they do that against a Democrat president you do like? Shouldn't all these people be exposed? Shouldn't all of this be exposed? And shouldn't these people be, I don't know, maybe prosecuted for their actions? So this never happens again in America? So that we understand this is not how it works in this country? That our government's police do not get to decide who becomes president and who gets to stay as president. That's not how it works in our republic. That's how it works in banana republics. It's how it works in third world countries. It is not how it works here. This is not the Stasi. This is not Russia. This is not Venezuela, Cuba, China, and I could go on and on. This is the United States of America. The people pick the president. If the FBI like doesn't like it, I could give a damn. If the Department of Justice doesn't like it, who the hell cares? They don't get to sit around and orchestrate a coup. They don't get to sit around and use a 25th Amendment to try to take out a president they don't like. That's not how it works. And the left should wake up to that fact because you know what? As you're talking about precedents with national emergencies, here's a precedent for you. There might be a Democrat president in the future, and the FBI may just not like that Democrat president in the future. Just food for thought. Hey, thanks so much for letting me hang out with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Mark Levin, the great one himself, back with you tomorrow night. Make sure you listen. Thanks. Thanks.